uh, page 605 uh, in <coughs> the Church Bible, uh, Psalm uh, 103. I want to do something that I don't think I've ever done in 25 years in the ministry. And that's why I want to read, first of all, from the end of Psalm 102. Uh, to show that there is a connection in the Psalms and the way in which they have been ordered in the Scriptures. We tend to see them as isolated units. Uh, but there's a very definite ordering of the Psalms. It's not accidental. It is of the Holy Spirit of God. Uh, and uh, we're going to be looking at 103 today. And we are making a connection in our minds uh, or at least I'm going to be doing in ministry to last week. And so I want to read from verse 25 where Psalm 102 ends with God speaking to his Christ. Uh, and remember Psalm 102 uh, is ultimately about the day of trouble for Christ as he bore our sins on the cross. And so here's the Father speaking to the Son. In the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like clothing you will change them, and they will be discarded. But you remain the same, and your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be established before you. Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. He forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desires with good things. That your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made his ways. Sorry, he made known his ways to Moses. His deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. Slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbour his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve, or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those 
who fear him and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works, everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Amen. During the past, or the early part of this week, when I was reflecting upon our communion season and um, the helpful ministry in Psalm 102 by Joel last weekend, and how the psalm ends uh, with um, the Father speaking to Christ, and that's the interpretation of Hebrews chapter 1. So we know that it is a right interpretation. I then was struck by the fact that Psalm 103 immediately follows on. Uh, Joel had, in his introductions last week, talked about uh, a song for a bad day. Uh, And Psalm 102 certainly has that context of distress and difficulty. Uh, And like all the Psalms, there are layers Uh, to Psalm 102, 103, all 150. There's an historical context. Uh, There is then uh, a context that comes in the life of Christ. There's a context that is fulfilled in the life of the church. And ultimately, there is uh, an end time context to many of the Psalms. Uh, Looking right through to the coming of Christ again. And in many respects, Psalm 103 is also a psalm for a bad day. It's a psalm for a bad day. For this reason, in that it lifts our focus off the trouble that we're in onto the Lord who is over that trouble. And isn't that what we were seeing last week was the pattern in the life of Christ. Even on the cross, when he was suffering his greatest for our sins and taking the pains of hell in his own body, he was reflecting upon his father, addressing his father, my God, my God, uh, at the end of his time. The beginning of his time, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And many other, the other statements on the cross as well show that here is someone who in the midst of his day of distress and trouble, of a kind that we will never have, he was looking to his Father in heaven. And in a very real sense, Psalm 103, as it opens, and um, could be the words of response of Christ to his father and what his father said to him at the end of Psalm 102. You remain the same. 
your years will never end. The children of your servants will live in your presence. Their descendants will be before you. And what is Christ's response? Praise the Lord, O my soul. All my inmost being, praise his holy name. Response of praise. Uh, And um, there's obviously this psalm talks about um, sins. It talks about iniquity. It talks about transgression. We know, of course, Christ did not have sin, did not have iniquity, did not have a transgression. No guile, no deceit was to be found in him, except when he was on the cross. And then iniquity and sin and transgression and deceit and guile did cling to him. Not from himself, but the sin, iniquity, the guile of his people that caused his father to turn away his face uh, from him. And so this morning we want to look at Psalm 103. Um, William Scroggie, uh, who's a very helpful, very simple commentator in the Psalms, Here's what he writes. The connection of this psalm with the preceding one is worthy of note. There is prayer. Psalm 102 is prayer. Here is praise. There the spirit is depressed. Here it is exultant. There the writer is like a moping owl. Here he is like a soaring eagle. There the psalm asks for much, but here there is no petition. In those times when you and I feel like a moping owl, woe is me and all that is happening to me. We need to learn to soar on the wings of the eagle by lifting our eyes off ourselves And focusing our eyes upon the Lord Jesus. Following his example and his pattern. And dealing uh, with our circumstances and situations. From that perspective. That he is over all things. Let's notice then this morning three things uh, from this psalm. First of all, let's notice the place of personal praise. The place of personal praise when we're having a bad day. Look at what the psalmist says here. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his Benefits. And here is the historical setting then. Who forgives all your sins. Who heals all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit. And crowns you with love and compassion. Who satisfies your desire with good things. Right the way through to verse 8. Personal praise. 
The word praise literally is the word bless in the older versions. And it means to adore with bended knee. It's the idea that we are in the presence of the king. And Christ is the king. And so in his presence we adore him with bended knee. And the word bless occurs three times in verse 1. It's in verse 2. And then it ends the psalm as well in verse at 22. Bless the Lord, O my soul. And when you and I feel like uh, the moping owl, we have to stir our souls. We have to stir our thoughts. We have to stir our affections. We have to stir our wills to bless the Lord. Because we would rather continue as the moping owl than to rise up and to bless the Lord, as the psalmist says, at all times. Or as Paul says, in all things giving thanks. And here the psalmist is able to give thanks. He's able to bless the Lord for all his benefits. And even in the midst of our most difficult days, we need to think of his benefits. James reminds us that every good and perfect gift comes down from above. And no matter how difficult our lives may be, they could be worse. And to remember that and to have that perspective. And then in verses 3 to 5, the psalmist specifies some of these benefits. And he focuses, first of all, on who forgives all your sins. This is the chief benefit that we have. And in Christ, it is always ours. We may not always have health. We may not always have strength. We may not always have money. But in Jesus Christ, for every day that we live, there is forgiveness. Not of some of our iniquities, or most of them, but all your iniquity. And so the psalmist puts that foremost. And then he recognises that uh, beyond that, the Lord does heal many of our diseases. He keeps us healthy and strong. He protects us. He restores us. He's the one who crowns our life with love and compassion. He's the one who gives us life in its fullness. Personal benefits that the psalmist remembers here, that he enjoys from the Lord, and that are the basis for giving thanks, yes, even on a bad day. And then verses 6 to 8, I believe they're they're transitional verses or bridge verses 
between the psalmist's own experience and then the church's experience in the next section, beginning at verse 9. And now he begins to, to widen his focus a little from his own benefits and blessings. He goes on to speak of the benefits and blessings that God the Lord brings to groups. Look at verse 7. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to Israel. He is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in love. Verse 6. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. So he begins to think and look out wider. And here again, he has another reason for praise, not only for the blessings that God gives to him as an individual, but the blessings that God brings to his people as a whole. He revealed his word to Moses and uh, his dealings with his church through Moses. And so we are privileged uh, to have the blessing of knowing God through the scriptures. He makes his will known within his church and to his church through the reading and the preaching of his word and then his providential dealings with us. Personal praise. What about our bad days? What about our difficult days? What about the days when everything we turn our hand to seems to go awry? And we end up with a sense perhaps of disappointment, maybe even frustration. Are we able in those times to stand back and to say, Yes, Lord, it has been a bad day from my perspective, a difficult day. But in the midst of this, I praise you and I bless you for who you are. And for those things that are sure and certain, the forgiveness of my sins. And that you will restore and tomorrow will be a better day. By your grace. And to your glory. So. Personal praise. But then secondly. As we look now. At verses 9 to 18. We're thinking about. Congregational praise. Congregational praise. Uh, And. uh, Here. uh, The Psalms of course. Not only have a personal biographical setting. They always have an ecclesiastical, a church setting. They're songs not just for the individual. They're songs for the church. And the psalmist can never or can rarely think of himself and his circumstances without thinking of the church and her circumstances. And her well-being. And what a challenge that is to you and me. Because we are living in a very individualistic age. 
where often the Christian faith is preached and presented from from the perspective of what it does for me, what it will do for you. And we think of ourselves, uh, it's easy for us to think of ourselves in isolation from the church. But the psalmist doesn't do that. He goes on now in verses 9 to 18. And there's this very definite broadening of his scope and of his thinking and of his vision. Uh, We come now to the words and we find the words us. Um, He does not treat us as our sins deserve. Then it comes out again in verse 12 uh, and verse uh, 14. uh, Removed our transgressions from us for he knows we are formed he knows how we are formed remembers we are dust and so now his focus is very much um, and his praise is very much directed to the Lord for what he's doing in his church and what he's doing amongst his people And again, that ties back in many respects into Psalm 102. Because the middle section of Psalm 102, verses 12 and following, we saw reflected Zion and the need for Zion to be renewed and restored. She was going through times of difficulty. And look at what the psalmist now uh, says. um, uh, His people are to adore him for bless him for again it is his grace look at verse 11 as high as the heavens are above the earth so great is his love that's that word covenant love his grace Um, someone uh, has described this section as the geometry of God's love And God's grace. Because here uh, is this reference in verse 11. To the height. uh, As high as the heavens are above the earth. So great is his loving kindness. Think about that. How high are the heavens above the earth. Vast, immeasurable, incalculable distance. And the grace of God, in terms of its height, in terms of its dimensions, it's incalculable. And then look at verse 13. There's another aspect uh, of it. Um, Sorry, verse 12. um, As far as the east is from the west. Again, it's speaking of his grace. What has he done in his grace for us? Well, he's removed our sins, our transgressions, as far as the east is from the west. The breadth of his grace. The height of his grace to the heavens. The breadth of his grace from east to west. And then look at verse 17. Here's the length of his grace. But from everlasting to everlasting. Think about that. When did God place his grace upon you? 
When did God decide to display his covenant love and mercy to you, to me? It was not at some point in our lives. It was not that night or that day or that moment when we consciously repented of our sin and believed in him. No, no, that wasn't when his covenant love was set upon us. It was set upon us from everlasting. From everlasting. Before we were formed. Before the world was formed. Even before man had sinned and fallen into iniquity. In eternity, God set his covenant love upon his people in his covenant son, Jesus Christ. And how long is his salvation for? How long will his covenant love last towards you? Are you in danger of losing it tomorrow? Are you in danger of blowing it? By one foolish act, by one great act of wickedness, an act maybe like David, who fell into adultery, or an act like Peter, who denied his Saviour before the world. Are we in danger of losing the covenant love of God by some action or misdemeanor? No, because it is from everlasting and it is to everlasting. How wrong and false it is to teach and to say in the light of scripture that somebody can be saved one day and lost the next day. That is a contradiction of scripture. That's a denial of the power of God and the power and the work of Christ. Could he not save us to keep us? Is the question that that kind of theology begs. And the answer of scripture is yes he's saved to the uttermost. He's saved to the uttermost. He didn't die to make salvation possible. That we might have it one day and lose it the next day. Or that we might make up our own minds about salvation. He saved uh, to the uttermost. He secured salvation. And so it is from everlasting to everlasting. And this ought to be a matter of great praise to us. To think often as a congregation of the dimensions of God's love Towards us in Christ Jesus. It's as high as the heavens. It's as broad as east to west. And it is as long as from everlasting to everlasting. And you see that is the case. Despite our sin. Despite our iniquities. Despite our transgressions, these verses and this covenant love of God that is to be the matter of our praise, it isn't spoken of here and, as it were, our 
our fallenness pushed into the background or hidden away somewhere. Look at what how the verses talk about verse 10, our sins. And our sins deserve, as we know from Scripture, hell. It talks about our iniquities at the verse end of verse 10. And they deserve the wage of death. Verse 12, he talks about our transgressions. And so the psalmist um, speaks of God's covenant love in the full knowledge of our sins and our iniquities and our transgressions. In other words, let's put it like this. There are no surprises to God in your life or my life. No surprises. In terms of sin, iniquity or transgression. There's nothing about which he will say to you a believer. That's a sin too often. That's an iniquity too great. Or that's a transgression too prolonged. That doesn't mean that we can be careless about our sin. But it does show us the incalculable dimensions of God's covenant love. And look at it uh, in verse 11 and 13 and 17. To whom is this love? Those who fear him. Notice that little phrase three times. Those who fear him, verse 11. Those who fear him, verse 13. Those who fear him, verse 17. And so, when you're having a bad day, and you're feeling like the moping owl, you need to rise on the wings of the eagle by remembering God's covenant love for you in Jesus Christ. The height of that love, the depth of that love, the length of that love. Yes, in spite of your sins, your iniquities, your transgressions. But surely it's those things above all else that gets us down and that causes us to mope and to say I'm worthless and I'm useless and I can't do much for God. I'm of no consequence or significance. And we've got to say yes, those things are all true about me by nature. But God's covenant love for me is even more true and more wonderful. And that it takes care of all those sins and failures of mine. So personal praise, congregational praise. And then verses 19 to 22, the psalmist widens out again. And here now we have what I'm calling cosmic or universal praise. 
cosmic or universal praise. The Lord has established his throne in heaven. And his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you his angels. You mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts. You his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works. Everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, O my soul. Again, we think of our Saviour and the bad day, the day of the cross, and how we know it from Psalm 22 that his mind rose uh, above the suffering uh, and the atonement for sin to see the fruit of his work. To see the nations of the earth being brought um, to repentance and faith. Brought into the kingdom of his father. He had a cosmic view of what is happening. And here now the psalmist in the historical context, he does that as well. David, who wrote this psalm as far as we are aware from what it says at the beginning of the psalm, David is king uh, over Israel. And his kingdom is at its biggest ever. Uh, and yet David knows that his kingship and his kingdom is very, very small. Very small. In comparison to what the kingdom of God is in his Lord Jesus Christ. The one whom David called my Lord. And so David's focus is not on the small kingdom that he rules for a 40 year period. But on that universal kingdom for which his Lord rules continually. And so against that backdrop, he then blesses the Lord. And he recognizes that the angels in heaven, verse 20, they are blessing God. Those beings that are spiritual beings that have been created to be his messengers, they obey God's word and they bless his name. We know that from Revelation that we're studying last year. In our midweek. How the angels falling down. And a blessing and praising God. And look at the end verse 22. There will be a day when all his works. Everything that God has made. Every last thing that God has made. Will praise him. The inanimate creation. Heavens, the earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, the galaxies. All mankind. Those who have not believed. Those who have gone to hell. They will praise him. They will acknowledge him. And they will recognize him. They will recognize his Christ. 
because they are part of his work of creation. And so, cosmic praise. And isn't this also the answer, or part of the answer, the days when we feel like a mobile, the day of distress, the day of trouble, the bad day, It's to lift our eyes up, yes, beyond our own situation, praise, thank God for what we have in Christ. And then, yes, to praise um, in the light of what his church has, this loving kindness, but then also to look ahead and to be able to see and to hold on to the fact that God in Christ is over all things. His throne is in heaven. And his throne is over the earth. And his throne is over your life. And over my life. And over whatever's happening in your life and my life. And so in the midst of challenging, difficult circumstances... <coughs> We can say, bless the Lord, O my soul. Yes, and the bad day. We can say that. Because of what he is doing in us. Through Christ. Because what he's showing to his church. Through Christ. And because of what is going to be seen In the whole universe. Through Christ's coming. Again. Bless the Lord. Oh. My soul. It is a song. For a bad day. As much as the pouring out our heart. In prayer. The pouring out of our heart in praise. The two have got to be held. Together. To God's glory. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we do draw near to you. And we do sense the challenge of your word this morning. We find it easy to be the moping owl. We find it hard to be the soaring eagle. That is rising up and soaring high above the circumstances of life. Lord, forgive us where we have not reflected you well. Forgive us, Lord, where we have not found reason to praise you, even in the day of trouble and difficulty. Forgive us, O Lord, when our praise of you has only been In the good days. And not also in the bad days. Help us in those days. To focus on all the benefits and blessings that we have in Christ. Help us to focus on the certainty of your covenant love. To your people. And us included. In Christ. And help us to focus on the day. When there will be no more tears. And no more sorrow 
and no more pain. But all your works will praise and bless you. Help us, Lord, to live by faith in the experiences of our lives, by faith in Christ, following in his footsteps, who in the midst of his day of trouble lifted up his eyes to his Father in heaven, was able to address you as his Lord and as his God, because that is what you were. And that is what you are. Help us to do likewise in Christ. In whose name we pray. Amen.